You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 79 of the Always Moto podcast. This podcast is proudly presented by Liat Moto Australia. That's right. We're welcoming on board Liat Moto products to the Always Moto podcast. They're going to be our partner from now through 2024. They're going to be our presenting sponsor. So thank you to Liat Moto and the team uh, at the Australian importer and distributor, White's Power Sports there. So thank you to Liat Moto Australia. And you're going to hear, be hearing a lot more about Liat Moto as we go through all of our shows over the coming months whilst this uh, is in place. But thank you, Liat Moto Australia. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan. We'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. And as always, he is still waiting to get paid. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's also on the injured list uh, and he's probably having a little uh, little moment to himself to rec- reconsider um, you know, life and, and all that sort of stuff. But he's also probably having a... Get the bike ready. No, he's not going to be getting the bike ready. Not not anytime soon. There's a lot of slouch on the couch He right will now. be having a little slouch on the couch. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we're going through all things moto, particularly injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. Now, hey, moto fans, this episode is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style from head to toe. Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence, knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Liat Moto Australia has cutting-edge technology that pushes the boundaries in rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and comfort. Choose Liat to stay safe, ride fierce, and embrace the thrill. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. Now, bringing us the show, we have plenty of people supporting the show nowadays, which is awesome. We have competitive edge performance. Are you looking to take your strength, your performance to the next level? Competitive edge performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. They offer in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years industry experience and plenty more laps of the track themselves, their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's all in capital letters. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-C-O-A-C-H. Don't forget Slant Board Guy. We have that 10% discount in place for Always Moto Podcast listeners. So get your squats on point in the gym and improve that standing technique on the bike. Get a Slant Board Guy. Use the code Always Moto in lowercase at checkout. 
and endurance recovery boots. If you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered before each session. Get endurance recovery boots and enhance your recovery. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and save with them. And Tech 167 3D Printing. Need something cool for your bike? Maybe it's just that funnel that fits straight in and screws straight in that oil filler cap. Remember, they, you need to get in touch with them direct and let them know that you're a podcast listener for the Always Moto Show and you'll get a discount with them as well. We also need your show support. We're trying to get to some races in the US next year. Uh, flight prices are not cheap. So we need to sell some of these T-shirts. We need to sell, sell, sell. They are $25 plus postage and handling. Um, show your support of the show and rock it at your next race. Email info at alwaysmoto.com. Put T-shirt order in the subject line and we'll get that payment set up via PayPal. Now, PayPal as well to help with that. Uh, some of those US race attendances. You can send a donation direct to the Always Moto PayPal account uh, and that will help us get our way on that flight over there. We're hoping to do something. I just don't know what it is yet, but we're, we're working on something here. Uh, to find all of our supporters, follow the show links in, uh, below in the show notes or in their bio on our social media pages. But that's enough with the intro talk. Let's jump straight into this show. I'm Ryan Collenberg. I'm racing the Australian Supercross with Always Moto Podcast. All right, we're welcome into the show. Uh, with just a reminder, I didn't actually say this at the beginning, but uh, we are going to go through things all moto. We're going through some of the off-season, silly season moves that we're going to have in this, this show. Uh, and we're also going to just touch on the... Uh, emergency department a little bit obviously there hasn't been in races as such but we've got some little <coughs> little updates from the world of the injury side of things and we've also got australian privateer supercross rider ryan kolenberg on the show later this uh this episode so that's pretty cool for an interview but contractor benny we got you on the line mate we're uh, good to go how's your week been no oh, it's been pretty good apart from a, a certain little uh niggle on monday night but that's all right i'm, I'm not sure a niggle quite describes what you uh had had happen mate I, I have a little expertise in this area i'm pretty sure it's not a niggle yes well we made a joke about it last week um i haven't played any sport in uh probably i don't know 10 years or something like that and uh decided that i'd play touch with the work boys and I lasted the first half and then probably three minutes into the second half, my <clears throat> hamstring just went twang and just sort of didn't want to cooperate anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, not very comfortable as I sit here talking uh, on the microphone at this point. That was my next question. How was the seated position? Because I'm assuming you, you've got your leg bent to uh, accommodate the fact that it won't go straight at this in, in a 90-degree hip position because your hammy will not like that at all. Yes, no, it's uh, no. I'm comfortable how I'm sitting, but it's definitely not how I'd normally sit in uh, in the chair. <laughs> well, look, we're going to have to have updates on this. We're going to have status reports each week, so we'll have to see. This should be a four to six week recovery, just for in case anyone's wondering. Uh, so long as he doesn't do anything stupid in the meantime, and I have given him some pretty good. I've given you some pretty good information so far, and I said we'll have to wait until Monday before I give you the rest of it because I don't want you to get go nuts beforehand. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have some regular check-ins here, Benny. But, um, yeah, nice nice work on the injury, mate. I, I know you wanted the emergency department to be bigger and better than ever, but uh, you didn't have to add yourself to it. No, that's right. I'm just lucky that I've got um, free physio expertise uh, 
at my disposal whenever I <laughs> instead of having to <laughs> wait till uh, wait till the next morning and ring up and try and get an appointment and then wait for six months to get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that, but uh, unfortunately, there is a significant travel distance between us, so it is only a telehealth conference that, as they would say here in Australia, post COVID, it's all telehealth, telehealth. So it's, uh, yeah, it works just the same as long as you listen. So <laughs> uh, now. World of Moto, mate. Not much has happened. There was no races this week. When we came in last week, we had all that stuff that happened in Australia, um, you know, over the weekend with multiple different things. And um, nothing this weekend. But we have got MotoGP happening at Phillip Island this weekend. Um, not that most of us dirt ri- riders usually care too much about it, but um, it is happening. But again, won't be much for us to talk about. So we thought we'd do some silly season stuff this week. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to go back to the MotoGP for a second. I am I do follow it. I have been to it. Um, the last few years, I've sort of, like the COVID years, I've sort of pulled away from it a bit. But I have been to the island, uh, Phillip Island, and it's a really good place to go. So if anyone is thinking about it, um, do do it because it's, it's pretty good. But... Um, yeah, it's you know one of the only races that we sort of get at a decent time uh, to watch, and like we were saying last week, you know the nations were sort of at an all right time, but this is even better. So um, yeah, there's no no dirt bikes as such, but at least we'll have uh, some bikes to watch. Yeah, just different sort and different styles, and obviously all that stuff. It's still good. Like, don't get me wrong, it's still good, but it's not something that's at the forefront. If if a um if a dirt bike race was on TV coverage this weekend that was live, I'd be watching it first probably. So um, that's just how it is. But yes, so off season stuff. There's been plenty of stuff moving around. I'm going to say stuff. I should say riders and teams moving around. Uh, a few a few have been rumoured about for a while. A few are happening now and causing a mess. It seems, uh, and a few and one in particular I'm going to bring up later just seems to have uh, disappeared somehow. So it's uh, we'll we'll get to that one in in time. But let's kick this one off, Benny. Uh, obviously, the biggest move probably of this off season is Chase Sexton to KTM. There's been a lot of coverage obviously we mentioned the video last week about the initial announcement this week there's been a video from him at the kdm headquarters and obviously it must be nice to sign for someone like kdm or or even honda um, when they fly you over to their headquarters in the other country that they're based in in this case austria for the kdm group Uh, and you get to do a tour and see all the fandangle gizmos that they have on offer and supposedly talk to engineers and whatnot about what you want from your bike and that, but must be pretty impressive couple of days to be able to be flown over. I bet you it was a, you know, pretty first class sort of sort of trip there uh, and meet the gang. It must be an interesting time. Yeah, I think it would be, um, you know, KTM released a video on YouTube uh, of him, you know, going to the factory and meeting everyone. And I think part of that was the Red Bull, um, you know, they're sort of, I think they're sort of joined together over there. Um, but yeah, just to see, uh, all, you know, all the, the history before him, um, you know, we've got like Toby Price, who's won Dakar, um, and stuff like that, all those sort of bikes and everything are there. So for him, 
you know, to be able to see all that history and all the other MXGP and Supercross championship bikes and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, I guess just to see the people that make the bikes and um, how everything's prepared and whatnot, it would have been a uh, pretty big eye-opener. Yeah, I just kind of – you must be just in awe. Like, obviously, you know, one signing for a big team and corporation like that, obviously he was at Honda before, so he's been in that situation. But to be invited overseas like that and spend that first probably week just, you know, schmoozing, let's say – you know, here's our here's our championship bikes. Here's our well. You see the bit of all the trophies hanging from the roof. Um, you know, here's our here's our expo car that we you know is fancy and you know goes really fast. You want to cover drive in it? Sure, why not? You know, it'd be just like yeah, I can do that. Yeah, give me one of those. Yeah, let me have a go at that too. Uh, it must be pretty cool. That that's got to be part of the perk of the job. Yes, right now he's probably just wishing he was at a test track, getting to learn the bike and getting ready. But it is part of the signing and the professional duties of a you know a team racer that you you do these promotional activities and you you get to see the other side of the world from the behi- you know from behind the corporate KTM. T-shirt that gets buttoned all the way up to the top, it seems. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, like, obviously, I'm never going to have that sort of experience. But, you know, you see things from day to day or even, you know, I've said to you before, even sort of the first time I started listening to podcasts, um, you know, you want to know the ins and the outs and how it works and, you know, how it's made and stuff like that. So for him to you know, get the opportunity to do all that, um, you know, and then, you know, and probably enjoy every minute of it. Um, you know, yeah, it might be a thing that he has to do, but, yeah, I'd say he would have enjoyed every minute of it and, um, yeah, it would have been pretty cool. Yeah, it's, I think for me, like you sort of touched on the fact of going behind the scenes there. For me, that's the cool part, right? Like going in there and actually meeting the guy that, maybe designs the frame or the, you know, he's the one that welds together the swing arms. I probably, it's probably all automated welding or whatever that gets done in these places nowadays. But do you know what I mean? Like you get to meet the guy that designed that particular part and how he thinks it is. And it asks that silly question about why did you put that here? You know, like that would be really cool. And, and sort of actually made me think of something I've done recently, obviously because of going overseas to the Stark Varg introduction last year, I've met all those guys from Stark and I actually recently was having a bit of a bitch and a moan about um, some kids' bikes that I was working on uh, and decided to message Anton, the Stark guy, um, CEO, and say, look, I've got some suggestions for some kids' bikes. Do you want them? And he said, yeah, of course. So I've messaged him all these things. So whenever these Starks come out and I've got one of my ideas, I'm going to you know, rub that in that that was my idea. But just the fact that you can talk to those people direct – you know, and from Chase's point of view, if it was me, that would be the cool part of it all. Not just the, you know, the shiny stuff hanging on the walls and the past championship bikes. It'd, it'd be that connectivity with with the with the whole group there. Um, problem being is he's probably never going to talk to most of them until the next time he goes there, which could be a year or two away. I don't know, but it, that part would be really cool. Now this expo too that he was in. I haven't seen the whole video. You were saying you had a very interesting comment about the car itself. Yeah, he uh, he said it feels like a race car. Oh, yeah. I, I would never have guessed that that's what it would have felt like. 
<laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious, but obviously Chase didn't realize, or maybe that was the line that he was told to say. I don't know. Well, in in saying that, he did also say that he'd never had seen one before, or even knew that they existed. So uh, that that could be true. So we might just give him that. He might have not even knew what he was walking into. So I mean, it's you know, it could be a fair comment, but yeah, like I mean, you just look at it from the outside, you would sort of think that it was going to be somewhat like a race car. Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a professional athlete practicing, you know, how how to not tuck the front um, daily. So he's probably busy and not on social media quite the same as us, you know, regular world people who are avoiding their job by scrolling, you know, Facebook and Instagram for hours and come across random shit. So maybe he had never seen it, but still, you take one look at the outside of that and go, that's a race car. Yeah, that's right. And going back to your uh, tucking in the front comment, I had a I had a mate message me today because uh, I actually sent him that video, and he said, "Oh, you know, I hope he does well. You know, how do you think he's going to go?" And I went into the uh, GIF section of the keyboard, and I found someone tipping over on a push bike, and I sent it to him. <laughs> that was my exact reaction <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad that this is and where it's got and, and, chase but that's why everybody pictures this at the moment until he does otherwise that's what they think yes that's right so uh, look i you know it's it's a fresh start we've we saw you know anderson and tomac and a few others what you know what they did with a fresh start so um you know we'll just have to wait and see what he does yeah, exactly. But look, obviously things are looking very prim and proper for him so far and I think he's probably quite happy with his decisions at this early stage. It might change in a month's time when he's been on the bike and he can't get it to turn. But we'll see what happens. Um, it is it is awesome for KTM. They're obviously getting a lot of promotion out of it too. Um, I'm sure the first... like Obviously they've bought the number one plate for Supercross, but those first few rounds when it's... Well, the first round, it'll be a red plate at least. Um, I'm sure they'll be getting a lot of attention in the pits just to see Chase in orange, you know, on orange, uh, potentially in orange gear as well. It'll be a a good thing all around at the beginning of the season, but whether that dies off if things don't roll well in terms of results, we'll have to wait and see. Um, But it'll be interesting times to keep track of it in 2024. Right, next on our list... Now, none of this is confirmed anywhere, but if you're anywhere about on Twitter or X, whichever you want to call it these days, because I'm not sure which we're actually supposed to call that platform anymore. Um, But you'll see some of the other media guys, particularly um, Pulp, talking about the Enzo Lopes situation. Now, Enzo was signed to Club MX Yamaha for 2024, and there was a press release that said so about, I don't know, must be about four to six weeks ago now. Um you know, announcing him as part of that team. And he's obviously been riding that. He rode that opening round of World Supercross with Club MX. Um, everyone pretty much expected him to be back with Club MX. But it seems that he's found some way to get out of this deal and supposedly, again, none of this is confirmed, but supposedly is moving over to Star Yamaha. I'm not sh- Like, I can understand the motivation. I'm not sure why he would sign that deal and then renege on it so quickly. Benny, you got any 
Any input on this one? It just seems a bit confusing to me. Well, the first thing is how many riders do Star want <laughs> is more my thoughts. How many can they afford? Uh, Where's this budget? Their budget must be freaking huge. Yeah, they've got, you know, the amount of riders they've got is ridiculous. So to add, you know, add another one in um, is surprising. But like you said, I can, you know, can see the, the motivation, you know, they're the top team. Um, but, you know, he's he's done pretty well on the club bike um, for the, you know, the time he's been on it. So, yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not real sure. And, you know, it, just a Supercross deal as well is what the, the rumour is. Um, you know, that's surprising to me that Star would uh, go for that as well. Yeah, the the other part that's interesting that's all rumoured at this stage too is that the the loophole that he's used to get out of this is is actually like he's bought the contract out. And I remember I saw a few people saying, oh, I've never heard of that happening. And I actually flashed back, if anyone remembers the time when Dean Ferris rode for Red Bull KTM in the States, he actually had to do the same thing for his Yamaha deal in Europe. Um, he had to buy himself out of that deal so that he could go and take up that KTM deal, which ultimately didn't last too long he got injured and that ended really quickly um but yeah to take that deal he had to buy that out so it has happened before just not obviously too frequently but like i said the main part of this is the how recently he's decided to switch on what he's doing i I gather this star deal wasn't on on the table previously or maybe it was and he didn't like it i don't know but yeah, he's he's obviously comfortable on the on the club MX Yamaha. I just don't see why he'd want to go the other direction right now when he just signed a deal. That's the part that's confusing for me. And and I think that will then obviously too, he won't be at World Supercross from what I would think. Um, you know, that deal was probably probably been burnt if 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 you look at it from that way. It doesn't sound like all parties are completely stoked on this happening either. Yeah, well, that's right. I was just about to say, you know, the, he's he raced the first round for World Supercross. Does that mean that you know that's probably it now? He won't um, he won't be there for you know what is it Abu Dhabi and uh, Melbourne? So yeah, it's it's all very interesting. And when all the the details come out, I guess you know we'll know more. But. And yeah, for all of us just sitting and wondering at the moment, it's a bit of a, a head scratcher. Yeah, we'll have to obviously wait. There'll be a, a press release at some point because this one will have to be explained by Yamaha Motors USA, I dare say, as to how this all goes down. But yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that one when it comes out. And I'm sure there'll be you know plenty of people trying to get interviews with him. So we, we'll probably be lowering out that list. But if we get a chance to talk to him at any point or even when we're, when we're in... Uh, in Melbourne for the World Supercross, I'm sure one of the Club MX guys will be asked that question by us at some point. So we'll see what we can find out how that all went down. All right, next on the list, and this one's an interesting for me. Um, trying to been been trying to talk to Carson all year. I've had messages with him multiple times and just never been able to secure him onto an interview. But Carson Mumford has gone from that fill-in ride with Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Obviously, that he'd left earlier in the season, the Barak Suzuki ride. He's now signed with MCR Honda for World Supercross and for whatever races they are doing in 2024 in AMA side of things as well. So, 
very interesting deal. He's going to be at Abu Dhabi and Melbourne from what I understand from that deal. Um, so he's obviously missed the opening round, but he'll be at the final two for Motor Concepts, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just I didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't see it coming either. Um, but I think it's just going to be, you know, another one of those people that didn't do the first round for World Supercross and now, you know, things things are changing and people aren't, you know, they've obviously left and not coming back and, um, yeah, it's all going to be different. But, um, you know, for when he was on the bike at uh, Pro Circuit, he, um, you know, he was battling the injuries a little bit, but... He didn't do too bad, though, you know, just to sign with the new team and get some time on the bike and obviously do the World Supercross races and then, um, you know, get some pre-season. It'll be interesting to see what he can do um, next year depending on what coast he uh, he does do. Yeah, that will be the case. And hopefully he can stay injury-free because he's had a bit of a rough trot with that in the last few seasons trying to get an actual good pre-season and then maintain through the season because he's just had some interruptions along the way. Now, the other thing I just wanted to touch on too, when I say I didn't see it coming, I mean the World Supercross side of that deal. The The link to Moto Concept is, for those that don't realise, is actually fairly obvious for Carson Mumford. He actually owns what used to be the Alessi's desert property for the tracks and stuff nowadays. So he's well linked to Tony Alessi. Uh, who is obviously the Motor Concepts team manager there. So there is a link, existing link there. So Tony's probably kept an eye on him in recent times. And obviously with this free agency sort of thing that he was doing a fill-in for, took the opportunity to get him on board with Motor Concepts when he didn't have... I dare say Carson didn't have too many other options at this point in time. So good on good on Carson for getting something out of what the efforts he's put into this year, which is nice to see. But it begs the question, Benny... Where has Cole Seely gone? Because the rest of that press release confirmed that Mitchell Oldenburg is going to move to the 450 class. So he's not going to ride, as despite starting the World Supercross on the 250, he's going to move to the 450 class. Uh, Mike Alessi is going to continue in the 250 class. And who was my... Oh, and Vince Freeze is the other 450 rider. Now, Cole Seely was a 450 rider for Motor Concepts, but has conveniently disappeared from Moto Concepts correspondence. Was was he there? No, <laughs> I know he was there. He, he, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> you, you laugh. You know exactly what I mean. Um, it didn't go well at all, um, I don't think. You know, I think he did the, was it one or two fill-in? Oh, not fill-in, but like went to two of the actual Supercrosses um, towards the end of the season uh, in America and they didn't go well. And then, uh, yeah, did the first round and it didn't go well either. So, um, and I don't think Melbourne or Cardiff went well last year. Um, so, yeah, didn't, the comeback hasn't gone well at all. And I suppose when you, you're out for that long, you know, it's a bit of a, bit of a change to when he was racing. So, um, you know, he might have just said, no, nah, like I've had enough or the team might have said sorry, but, yeah, I'm not sure it's a, it's a weird one. Yeah, again, that will be a question that I will pose to Tony when we see him in Melbourne um, and see if he gets an answer on that one because, yeah, Cole has just 
disappeared it seems he's he's still on his instagram and stuff doing other little projects but no major movement there and um yeah just interesting how it's all sort of disappeared it's like kind of like that um dave's diatribe i had once before about the uh press releases with the injured riders and how they can just conveniently get left off their press releases after the race results that weekend this one was kind of just similar in the sense that they just they booted they've they've removed him from the team and they just conveniently never said nothing about it so yeah bit, bit, bit of a strange situation all right next on our list it's the uh the newcomers the new team on the block it's the beta uh they've got colt nichols they've got uh benny bloss joining this team and they've finally as of the last week i think it is uh been riding an actual 450 four stroke They've been on 252 strokes um, or 302 strokes, I think it was, sorry, uh, for a while there because that seemed to be the only bikes that they had. But the, the boys are actually on Supercross on a 450 finally. Uh, what are your thoughts on the look of the bike? What do you reckon? I don't mind it. Like the beta, there's nothing wrong with the beta look. I, I like it. It's, it's different. Obviously, everyone probably doesn't think it's you know kosher because it's very different from the Japanese style bikes and even different again from the Austrian bikes, but I like them. I like the look. I like the color schemes. Um, it will be a bit busier in terms of it's not as neat around the motor and stuff, but I like the bikes. Yeah. I can, uh, you know, they look, they look good. They're different. They're not, you know, the usual that you see, um, year in, year out, sort of the same with the triumph. So, um, well, from what we saw of the MXGP team, anyway. Um, but, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they go. Um, you know, they've, I'm sure um, Colt Nichols and Bernie Boss will have a fair amount of time on them and not now that they've got the four-stroke. So, um, yeah, they might be behind, you know, behind a little bit, but they're only going to, um, you know, surely they'll get better as the year goes on once the season starts. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. The only thing that I have with Beta, like I love the fact that they're coming in. I love the, the two guys that they've picked because they're guys that are reasonable riders and have probably missed out on, on longer-term deals with other you know, more established teams. But for me, I think it'll be that usual sort of thing for a new bike where the bike maybe either is underpowered, doesn't handle or has some mechanical issues across the season and they don't probably meet their full potential um, of what the results that Benny or Colt could potentially get. But if they can avoid the DNF aspects and just slowly build into, you know, settings and getting the thing stable in the whoops and able to handle, a, you know, an American Supercross track, could, could, could go really well for them. Because I think it's more the outdoors where they would see things have struggles, which is what they've had happen so far with Beta in the MXGPs of that I know of. Um, but Supercross is a very different game, so hopefully they can, hopefully they can put this thing together. I believe they've got some reasonable people with some Supercross experience in the back sheds for them that are doing the you know developments of the bike. So I have to just watch this space and see. But I'm just stoked that there is another manufacturer enter entering the scene and creating another team. And in this at this point, two rides. Hopefully they'll have you know four and six rides on this team in the not too distant future. Yeah, that's right. And I think you know they've 
you will come across those, you know, the gremlins that, you know, all knew whether it's a car, whether it's a bike, anything, um, you know, sometimes you just have those problems. So once they get through a few of those problems, which, I'm, you know, they probably have already had while they're out testing and stuff like that, um, yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be pretty strong. And, yeah, like you said, the outdoors will be different. But, uh, yeah, I think – and with the riders, I think they'll do well. Yeah, they should do pretty well on that side of things. Now, the other newcomer that we haven't really got too much information from the AMA side of things is Triumph. Uh, obviously, they've announced that bike. They had it on display. They did some laps with it at Super Motocross at LA Coliseum. But the rider side of things hasn't really, you know, kicked in too far. They had Joey Savacci on, on, I think it was the Pulp Show, announced that he was riding it. Uh, but the rest aren't really all confirmed, if I'm, if I'm correct, at this point in time. No, I think there's still... Um there's rumours about other people, but, yeah, nothing um, fully set yet. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame. You would thought by, like, most of these contracts are all a 1st of October point of view. Um, you'd thought by now, we're the 18th of October as we record this in Australia, that they would have had these things out and about. Like, I'm sure that the guys that are on that team are out riding the bikes already. Um, but... Yeah, it's just a bit frustrating from from the fan point of view, from the media point of view, that we don't have that information to, to bring to anybody officially yet. So I have to watch this space. But on that side of things with the contracts and that too, another one that hasn't been out announced officially yet, but probably should have been, and is from an existing, established, well-established team, um, the whole Joe Shimoda situation. He's obviously announced that he's left Kawasaki, but the next team announcement isn't official as yet. And hasn't happened. So, yeah, we have to still wait and see on the official news for Shimoda too. Yeah, I think it'll be, you know, knowing Honda and uh, I think it'll probably be something, you know, a bit different to the rest of just, you know, just a post or something saying we've signed these people. Um, Yeah, I think there might be and this is all just me guessing um there might be some cool rider intro video or something that they've done and so they're just waiting you know for the right time but <laughs> yeah i would have thought it would have been out by now i don't know if they if they should bother really like nobody's going to outdo the the troy lee designs gas gas rider d video like that dropped on the very minute that it <laughs> could possibly happen like nothing's out doing that for for me like Barsha tackling Ryder D into a swimming pool to kidnap him and Ryder Gas Gas just, just did it for me for the off-season. Yeah. it uh, And there was a lot of comments on the socials about, you know, no one uh, no one will better that. Um, you just don't, you know, normally it's just a post saying we've signed this rider. Uh, they're with us for, you know, so many years. But, yeah, that video, um, yeah, it was really funny to watch and yeah, got a good um, good reaction, which I think is what they were after. I just hope that they can top that in years to come, you know, whether it's Gas Gas, the Troy League Gas Gas guys, or whether the other teams take that example and, you know, run with it, you know, and make something make something of these. Don't just do the generic press release. Yeah, we've signed blah, blah to blah, blah team. No, let's do something cool about it because that was pretty – that was interesting for me. That was good. Now, on that, obviously, Ryder D was on the Pro Circuit Kawasaki team. 
Uh, Prosek Kawasaki has changed a fair bit, but the two main guys that are coming across, they have been announced. They have been all over the bikes. They've been riding them quite a bit already, it seems. And that's Levi Kitchen and Maximus Volan. Um, two guys from two different teams, one from Star, one from the Red Bull KTM. Coming over to this Cowie team, probably at a very good time, given the recent performance enhancements that the um, Prosecco Kawasaki seemed to have gone, gone through at the end of the season there. Um, good times for Levi and Maximus to be joining that team right now, I think. Yeah, the the bikes were getting a lot, uh, you know, a lot better towards the end of the season. There, um, they had all of them, you know, sort of up the front, and they were starting well compared to, um, you know, the start of the season with Supercross and them outdoors. So, um, yeah, I think they found some little upgrades and they've put them in, and the bikes are, um, you know, going a lot better. But I think the um, the change for those two as well will. Um, probably helped them a little bit like you take Levi away from the you know the grind of the star facility and you know having to sort of race with everyone day in train and whatnot to you know a bit of a smaller um you know smaller setup and then you got Maximus who you know I think he'll benefit from you know riding with uh, Levi and McAdoo and whatnot as well. So uh, I think that'll help him um, going into this season. I think for Maximus, it might be the fact that he'll be back. He could base himself back in California full-time. Um, being a NorCal guy, he'd be just be a bit more familiar with that and have you know more people nearby that he's, he's used to. Like, obviously, he was going back and forth to different places at the beginning of his KDM deal. I think he was mostly at the at the Baker's factory there at the end of it. And maybe that wasn't good for him. So, yeah, maybe being back in California with Pro Circuit is, is what he needs. But I do think the thing that will be interesting for Pro Circuit this year is whether they can actually stop this injury bug that seems to have plagued them over the last many seasons and whether these two guys are the answer and if they do are coming in at the right time with the bike being in a good position and, you know, Jet and Hunter leaving the 250 class completely this year... Are they two guys that could maybe get a coast, you know, title each and and challenge for the outdoor title? Um, does Faulkner actually stay together? You know, does who else is on that team? Does McAdoo actually stay together? You know, the team has a massive potential for twenty twenty four. It's just a case of whether they can keep it all together. So we'll see how that goes. Um, now the other one, you know, what they should have done in that Troy Lee designs video. They should have dropped off Moserman somewhere and just left him with like a, you know, um, looking for job cardboard cutout sign or something um, because he has gone MIA since leaving, since getting injured in, oh, when was that? The beginning of outdoors. Yeah, well, as we were talking about it just before it came, you know, and with the, the triumph thing as well. Uh, it just came in the back of my head that, you know, he's just disappeared. There was rumours that, you know, he might be on the Triumph bike, but, yeah, just completely fallen off the face of the earth and, um, you know, like Ryder D got got his ride at um, Gas Gas and, yeah, I don't know where he's gone, what's going on, and we haven't heard anything. Um, so who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's a bit of a, yeah, that's interesting. How funny would it have been, but if they literally like kicked him out of the van 
and threw a sign at him and he grabbed it and held it up and it said, we'll ride for, you know, for food or something. <laughs> and then they ride, ride, drive over and kidnap Ryder D at his place. That would have been hilarious. Obviously, he wouldn't do it, but that would have just, I don't know, that's just tickling my tickling me right now, That, that the idea of that. So <laughs> that would have been cool. Especially considering the stories that you hear of Michael Moseman, especially the one that he told on the Pulp Show that time about um, him him taking in homeless people and stuff into his house and letting them live with him and whatnot. So, yeah, just an interesting dude. But he's gone MIA. He's also not very social media savvy, it seems, at times. So, yeah, he's uh, disappeared. We'll have to see if he re-emerges at some point in 2024. All right, that's the list that we're going to run through here um, so far this off-season, and we'll probably talk on this a bit more again in a couple of weeks' time, probably when that Shimoda and those Triumph news drops officially. Um, but there is another one that we're going to touch on and it's just come out today as an official press release from the Australian side of things for Honda Australia. They have confirmed that Wilson Todd is going to move to a 450 next year for the motocross series and join Kyle Webster on that 450. So the team there has changed a little bit in terms of where their riders are situated. No news on the rest of the Supercross season or the 250 side of things, but I assume that Wilson Todd and Kyle Webster will be on 450s year-round and they'll have those usual in-outs of guys like Max Anstey, Dean Wilson, Justin Brayton for the 450-250 classes in the Supercross side of things. But we'll have to wait and see who they actually put on this team for the 250 outdoors in Australia now that Wilson Todd is moving on. Obviously, they've been holding on to that. Uh, you know, they regained that 250 title this year with Wilson Todd. Um, have to see who they try to fill that shoes with. It'll be an interesting choice for them, I think. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of rumours going around about the Australian silly season. Um, I'm not even sure who, you know, who they would look at putting on that. But, um, yeah, they've got some big uh, big shoes to fill for whoever does. Yeah, and obviously it's a, one of the biggest, if not the biggest team that we've got here in Australia. Um and yeah, it'd be a big spot to fill if they picked somebody from somewhere else to take on that 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 gig. Um, there'd be a fair bit of pressure, I would think, from you know not just from Uribe, but the whole whole sort of squad, Honda, you know, all those sorts of guys are going to be looking to hit this person to be a results bringer for for that 250 side of things in Australia on the Honda. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see who they fill. They'll have probably two spots there. I don't know who else they'll be looking at but yeah we'll have to keep an eye on that too but yeah good news for Wilson Todd to go to the 450 I think it's um about time that he's he's moved up to that class he's definitely capable and obviously that was hinted at at that final round uh or final second final round when it, whichever it was he rode the 450 there at one point and he actually qualified fastest in one of the rounds of the outdoors so um yeah be interesting to see what he does when he's fully committed to the 450 class all right that's our silly season talk across the pond now as well um, now, one thing I'm going to bring up before we go to a quick break, Benny. I was watching Dean, Dean Wilson, so Dino's YouTube channel today. I didn't get through the whole thing yet, but uh, I've got to bring it up. I don't know how disgusting a shoey is. I've never won a pro race and had the desire to drink champagne out of my boot, but one, I would hope that these things should die by now, unless you're Daniel Ricciardo, because I feel like he did it first, or Jack Miller. Um those two I can get away with. But anybody else outside of that copying it, I'm, I'm not for it. Um, I think you've got to be Australian to do it. 
Um, but if it's me, and like if say it was me that won a race and did it, there is no way I'm drinking out of my boot. I sweat like I've got out of the ocean. My boot is the last thing I want to put liquid in that then goes in my mouth. Yeah, look, it's um, you've got to be Australian for one, and uh, your Daniel Ricardo comment. He wasn't the first person to do it. Uh, David Reynolds was the first person to do it at the Darwin Supercars round when he won, and then it started after that. And there was a big, big, um, you know, big thing on the internet about the Formula One claiming it as theirs when Ricardo started doing it. Um, but yeah, Reynolds was the first one to do it, and then you know, everyone's just followed since. But yeah, you've got to be Australian uh, to do it. I've seen a fair few people do it. Um, I've even seen, you know, uh, leading band like singers do it. Um, it's just once once the crowd starts yelling it, you've just, you know, you've got to do it. But yeah, you you've got to be Australian. Mm. I had we're at a um, we're at one of the Dirt X rounds, the final one in Goulburn a couple of weeks ago, and they're doing the you know the series podium and stuff. And one of the kids got up with a non-alcoholic champagne and, and did a shoey and I was like really not sure that's necessary right now <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think no I think if I mean you know the kid sees it on TV I guess you know I'll leave it with the past but I was just know, like the parents have encouraged yeah, this like come on <laughs> yeah but you know unless you're you know unless you're winning yeah like I said a, a race um you know, I can guarantee in the MotoGP this weekend, whoever gets on the podium will do one because they'll get pressured into it. Um, but if it's Jack Miller, I can understand. He's an Aussie, right? Yeah, and he's top level. Yeah. But anybody yeah. else, it's a it's a no from me. Well, at Bathurst the other weekend, all you could hear on the coverage was do, like shooey, like, you know, people yelling it. Um, the whole time they were up on the podium, you know, getting the trophy and that, and none of them did it, um, which, I mean, that's fine. It doesn't, you don't have to, but people just, you know, it's just a thing now where people, you know, pressure the people into it to do it, Um, you know, the athlete or driver, whoever. Um, And, yeah, it's just become a big thing. I remember when I went to Newcastle for the V8s in 2018, I went to the concert on the Saturday night and it was um, Birds of Tokyo and the crowd pressured them into doing a shoey and so the singer ended up doing one just because the crowd did not let up until he did it. So it's just become a, you know, it's just you do it otherwise, you know, they're not going to be happy. Is that a sign of just our Australian crowd intelligence level? (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want to see we want a shoey we're not going to stop until you do a shoey I think there's better things that we could put our energy into but anyway <laughs> when, I, when I pick you up in uh, when I pick you up in Melbourne ne- next month it's not even that far away I might just make you do a shoey before you get in the ute and we take you to the hotel then uh, it's not happening <laughs> I'm telling you it's not happening <laughs> especially if you hand it to me with a beer because I don't even drink beer but anyway 
Oh, that's another story. I digress. All right, that's that's enough of that talk. I just it's going to disgust me now because it's starting to you know, make a belly churn. But um, yeah, look, let's take a quick break. We're we're going to come back. We've got a um a Blair's ball breaking babble to get to. Hey, this is Cole Thompson, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, we're back. We're rolling into it again. We're going to come into this one with some more of this weirdo crap that we've been going through. Um, just questions. Babble. What is it? It's Blair's ball-breaking babble this week again. We've got a question from Blair. We're actually going to have a two-part thing this week. So we've got the question coming up, and then we'll have something a little different here in a second. So let's get to the, uh, the question, Benny, coming in from Blair this week. Fellas, just the one on silly season. Um, I, look, I'm really interested to see how uh, Cooper Webb, Sexton, um, Levi Kitchen's a good one. I really think uh, he's going to do well, but I'm really interested to see how uh, Max Volan will do on PC Kawasaki. His dad was on uh, PC Kawasaki number 711 um, years ago. But I think he could be the surprise packet on that bike. That bike come good at the end of the year, and I'd really like to see how it goes. All right. Blair's babble this week. Um, we sort of touched on most of this, Benny, but one, obviously, he brought up Cooper Webb. I sort of didn't throw him into our silly season because he's already on that star racing Yamaha. He already did the three rounds of Super Motocross with it. Um, interested to see – a little bit interested to see how he does, but I feel like he's still going to be the same placed, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, ish sort of rider for cooper but he's right about and we sort of spoke about this with levi and maximus they're coming at that pc bike at the right time uh, i think it's going to be a good fit for those guys yeah we touched on it before um yeah i think it just you know like we said the bike's been updated it was a lot better towards the end of the season and um you know they're going to have plenty of time on it between now and uh, depending on which coast uh, they do, so yeah, well, I think they'll be they'll be fine, and I think they'll perform pretty well. Yeah, exactly. So look, Blair, you can check out the rest of the show. Do you hear the rest of the talk that we talked about with the PC change there for Levi and Max? Um, but yeah, the, the the silly season side of things is is always an interesting time, um, and we'll have more information about that stuff. And it just just creates bench racing. It's it's cool. Um, uh, let's let's jump into something a little different here, uh, Benny. We obviously have the Always Moto group chat, and if you're not a part of it, any of you listeners out there, you should jump in it. We had another another person join after last week's um, podcast. It's got involved in the uh, the crap talking that goes on in there. It's a lot of just random moto talk. But Blair had a hot take, mate, um, a couple of weeks ago, and you've got a question for him. Yes, he had a very hot take uh, about AP. Uh, not, you know, the the question was AP was will like he won't win a four fifty race ever after uh, leading this year and throwing it away with one or two laps to go. Um, for me, that's a really hot take. Um, Anything can happen. I mean, Tomac was going to win the championship this year, and look what happened. Um, that is a bit of you a know, so but I get your point. Yeah, like it just you know anything can happen. Um, you know, AP can ride well if he gets out front. You know, and 
does exactly what he did last year or this year uh, before he fell off and had the rest of battling behind, um, I, you know, I can't see why not, you know, why can't he win? Um, yeah, it'll be a tough ask and, you know, in a few years' time, Blair might be sitting there going, see, I told you, like, you know, he was never going to win and that's, you know, that's fair enough. But, at yeah, I just don't think you can just say that, you know, he won't ever win, you know, you just, anything's possible. Well, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, let's see what Blair said back to you, mate. He's got a recorded response here. So let's let's hit play on this one. I said in the group chat uh, a couple of weeks ago that Plessinger would never win a 450 race again. I feel if it was to happen, it'd have to be a mud race. There'd have to be a lot of crashing. Um, yeah. There'd have to be people out. That's the only reason I've seen him win an AMA 450 um, motocross or supercross race. His technique probably isn't um, up to scratch. That's why he looks slower. He gets bucked around a lot more. I just can't see it happening. I feel like he threw away his only win that he'd ever have at a 450 supercross. Um, and yeah, it's a real shame because I just can't see that happening ever again. So. I stand by what I said. Um, it might, you know, there's opinions and stuff out there that you know people are going to take on it, but that's just what I stand by. I feel he's a second rider to whoever's been there at KTM. He'll never win a 450 race unless all the stars line. He makes a couple of points there that aren't too wrong, um, but there are a couple other bits there that I think he's, he's you know, he's... he's taken all 450 races off the table i think he's probably a chance at a motocross race win at some point surely like he's got a pretty good skill set on that side of it and he's got a national 250 title and he's a mud dude so we just need a a mud race and i think you know ap can get something done well he's got a 250 supercross title as well exactly um point so yeah i mean like i said and and he said it everyone's going to have their own opinion um, I'm not hating on Blair. Like, it's, it's fine. We're all bench racing. Um, but, yeah, I just yeah, – I think he can if he does what he did last year. Um, you know, it's, the bike's probably going to be a little bit better coming into next season compared to what it was this season. Um, so, yeah, it's it's always possible on the outdoors as the big um, – you know, the big one, you got to look a few weeks ago at the Nations. He was fifth in one of those races. Mm, um, bring that up, that's, Yeah, that's, you know, you know, just get there, you know, for no reason. So, yeah, I don't think there's any reason why he can't. But like I said, in a few years' time, Blair might be sitting there laughing at me and I'll cop <laughs> that on the chin and, that, and that'll be fine. But, um, yeah, I reckon that it's, it's possible. Well, look, set your dates, you know, set the reminder in your phone for like 2028 and see if he's, if he's retired by that point. And if he has, you can, uh, we can settle this somehow by that point. <laughs> we'll work it out. But um, I didn't mind the point, and I'll, I'll, exp- I'll get your thoughts on this in a sec, but the, the point about AP being the second man on whatever team, t- like to that, that, you know, especially the KTM, he's going to be the second man on the KDM team. He's not going to be the number one guy. And that sort of fits pretty well for, I think, where AP is. He's obviously a factory rider, but I don't think he's the lead guy. And, and in terms of what you're saying, Benny, too, I don't 
I think he can win a race, but I don't think he's going to be winning more than one or two or three. You know, like he's not going to be that guy that just rattles off wins all of a sudden if he gets one. Um, so there's, I'm sort of, I think I'm sitting somewhere in the middle of. You think he's going to get one by the sounds of it? I think you could get one four fifty one if this in the motocross if things align. The supercross one, I think he did maybe throw that one away that obvious chance but there's plenty of plenty of crazy things that can happen um but blair's obviously blair's firm on the uh no column i think for from from this side of things so but yeah what are your thoughts on that uh him being a second rider on the team not not being the number one guy uh yeah i mean it's it's true um it's you know it's been like that for a little while now um I don't know what Webb would be like as a teammate. I feel like Chase would probably be uh, maybe a little bit better and maybe a little bit more relaxed. Like they you know, might have been a bit sort of don't come near me. I don't know. Um, but I feel like him and Chase could probably have, you know, a bit of a time. You know, we all know what AP is like. Um, I reckon, you know, they could probably be a little bit better in the pit situation. So, um, you know, that might help AP a bit. Who knows? But uh, it is true. You know, he's been the second rider. And, um, yeah, with Chase coming in, there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of buzz at A1 and whatnot. So uh, that that might help him. You know, it might all be pressure on him and not too worried about uh, AP. So, it would, yeah, it would it'll just be one of those things. We'll just have to wait and... Um, yeah, see what it turns out to be. I feel like you touched on something there that might be an interesting thing to watch across the year with the dynamic between Chase and and Aaron. I feel like Aaron, in his you know loose, outgoing cowboy personality, and then you look at if you look at then just Chase and his weird fashionistic Oakley sunglasses and the and the presentation that he has. I don't think Chase is going to be able to take Aaron's personality for that long. I reckon by sometime next year, Chase walks around with a cowboy hat on <laughs> with his fashion statement. <laughs> with those, with those Oakley sunnies of his, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw Webb wear one, so I'm sure... You know, I'm sure there'll I'm be sure, a photo uh, of it, but I think behind, behind his back, you'll be like grimacing about it. I just don't see Chase... You know, being able to take Aaron's energy and, you know, probably he's less of a, you know, focused down before the race. I feel like Chase is that guy that's always there, like, just, you know, focusing what he's got to do next. And and Aaron will be just fucking that up, basically, in the background, you know, just running around doing whatever it is he's doing, yee-hawing and getting fans signing, signing signing um, boobs in the pits and whatnot that AP has been seen doing on, on social posts and whatnot. I think that's just going to be an interesting thing for whether Chase can handle that or not across the season too. So, yeah, we've sort of gone off topic a little bit from from Blair's, Blair's point there in the group chat, but that's just brought up something else that I can see happening and be interesting to watch, I think, across 2024. Yeah, and I guess, you know, you can't, um, yeah, not everyone gets along. So, uh, you know, the, the teams go for the riders that they think will do the job and, yeah, whether they then click or not is, you know, you just have to, um, yeah, see how they gel. 
Yeah, exactly. So maybe they'll end up in two separate trucks. Who knows? <laughs> we'll have to watch this space. But all right, that's what that's Blair's babble, ball busting babble. Um, thanks to Blair for sending in those couple of comments there again. It's awesome to have him doing that and just uh, throwing some different things into the podcast. It's a, a nice little addition. All right, mate, uh, I'm going to leave you to it. We are going to take a break here and uh, we'll come back with the emergency department. This is Derek Kelly, and you're listening to the Always Metal Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Let's jump into the emergency department. It's a short one this week, obviously no racing, so no additions that we know of, and obviously it's a quiet point in the off-season as well. So not too many things to go through, just some minor updates, but we'll get to them here in the emergency department. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on the list. I don't care whether it's the off-season or not. You still don't want to be on the list. But let's jump into it right now. We've got a couple of little updates just on guys from the AMA side of things uh, and some post-season you know, post updates in terms of their surgery and some injuries and whatnot. So first and foremost, Grant Harlan, who had that major crash at the Motocross of Nations, was stuck in a hospital bed in France while he was getting insurance sorted out. He got his flight home. He's actually now at home, as in his home, not in a surgery, not in a bed. He got checked out by the surgeon in America, his local one, decided that everything was stable and that surgery wasn't an option at this point in time, which is a interesting point of view. It's also a great point of view because if surgery is not indicated, surgery doesn't need to happen. It's also just not the first option that you should be taking if you have the time to allow the recovery to happen naturally. It just not seem to be what happens normally for professional athletes. Professional athletes are always on a time schedule, always looking to be back on track or back on the field, depending on obviously the, the terminology for the sport that we're, we're using here. But in terms of motor, they, they always want to be back on track ASAP because there's always another race that they can go to. There's always a series that is running that they should be a part of or are contracted to be a part of. And they never really have the time to do these things properly. So surgery tends to be the first option rather than that conservative approach. In Grant's case, they're taking that conservative approach. They're going to let this heal on its own. That may change down the track because things might not heal as, as they expect. They might heal at an angle something weird they might just not get union which is where the bones join back together and knit together tightly if that doesn't happen well then they can always go in and encourage that with plates screws bone you know um, bone gluing bone grafting etc etc so there's options yet but for grant my main thing is that he's at home he's able to be recovering uh, we'll watch this space, but it will probably then be late November, December before he's able to ride, if at all, um, depending on whether those other things need to occur further down the track. So good news for Grant. He's at home. Awesome news. Also on the list is Jeff Walker, the privateer KTM rider who was having battles with a shoulder injury during the outdoors. He had surgery at the end of the season there. He's now about seven weeks post-op. But if he's checking out his Instagram stories, he's still battling through range of motion issues at this point in time. That's expected. Like normal people are 8 to 12 weeks to get full range of motion post any sort of shoulder reconstruction for rotator cuff tear or stabilization for labrum and dislocation issues. So he's in the right range of, of time frame for that to, to come back. Um, 
it's just a matter of time and it's a matter of reps at this point without pain and without forcing it. So he's in the he's in the right space. He's got a long way to go. This is going to be at least a three to five month process for him. Um, there might be a bit longer even depending on what they had to do in terms of the details of the work there. But he's working his way through it. So he's got time. He doesn't usually do supercross, so he's got plenty of time to get himself ready by the time May rolls around for the start of the motocross series side of things. Now, the other one we're going to touch on here is Justin Barsha. Now, there's been no real information from him since that crash in LA when he took the lead and went over the bars. He managed to do the lung, the rib, um, and, a, and a collarbone, and we checked out those things. They were all different locations from the previous issues with the collarbone that he had from earlier in the season. But there's been no information since. He was meant to get on a flight to England uh, the day after the LA Supercross, but because of the punctured lung, that would have been delayed quite a bit until that lung would be able to tolerate the pressure changes of flying but from his wife's Instagram, you'll see Justin and his wife are actually in England currently. And in one of the clips today that was up, he's actually pictured in the background walking a little bit and carrying a shopping bag. So obviously he's up and mobile and about. He's obviously not provided any information in terms of the injury himself at this stage. But he's at least been able to enjoy his vacays, which is awesome. So he's getting that R&R in a different manner. He's still enjoying life. Obviously, things are good enough that he could fly. So that tells me that things have gone really well with the injury to date. He's probably about another two weeks or so and he'll be fully fit and healthy, which would be just about the time he was going to come back to a boot camp to start November. So probably things are going to be okay for Justin at this stage, which is good news uh, and really awesome to see that he is able to be a part, like a part of that holiday that he'd planned. He obviously probably shortened it a little bit, but he got there in the end, which is awesome news. But that's it. That's all we've got at this point. There's not too much happening uh, until we get another round of the World Supercross Series in a couple of weeks here, which will be the first weekend in November. And then we get the Australian round kicking off uh, another Australian Supercross round at Newcastle a couple of weeks later. We won't have too much more to add here to the emergency department at this stage, which is actually kind of nice that the guys and girls out there are not adding themselves to the injured list. So... Let's check back on this in a little while. Um, let's take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast. We'll be back with the Dave's Diatribe. Hey, guys. It's Aaron Tanty, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back, and it's a Dave's Diatribe time. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this one at this point in time. I've got the general gist of it in the head. But let's hit the play button and see where we get to. This is Dave's Diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. You could be next, and I don't know who's going to be next. I never know. And this one's even a bit harder because I'm I'm not necessarily upset, disappointed, angry. I don't know what I am about this one, but it's come through today. For you guys listening, guys and girls listening, last week I was talking about the fact that I was sweep riding at the AORC. Uh, we did that at Dungog on the weekend. Things went really well. And I decided on the way home that I was going to enter myself for my first race since my accident at Hadar in 2022. And I was going to do the New South Wales Enduro Cross Series, the first round at Appen this weekend. So I entered, uh, managed to get my medical clearance uh, all sorted out with MA. 
that's a saga in itself. Get Don't get me wrong. There's the process involved. But one, they don't have a dedicated form that the doctor has to fill in. You can just fill in any old certificate, which is ridiculous. You lodge it into your rider net side of things, which is our licensing system for the, anyone that doesn't know or listening overseas. But it then doesn't clear itself or have an, an MA official look at it and clear it. I then had to r- contact MA, who then told me that it wasn't their job, despite the, the fact that that's where the license is held. I had to ring Motorcycling Victoria because that's where the incident occurred to get them to clear it. And then they didn't know why they had to do it, but they did it. But they thought it was MA's job. So it's just a bit of a shit show. But anyway, I got all that sorted out. That, should be pr- that process should be a lot better, MA, by the way. But... They've then, unfortunately, due to numbers of entrants or lack of number of entrants, have cancelled the race that I have entered as my first race back. So I'm a bit disappointed that I can't get out and compete. Uh, We've got to wait two more weeks and hopefully the round two and three will go ahead. There's one to be one at Mudgee. There's meant to be one at my home club at Dungog. Ideally, these are going ahead, but I don't know. There's no information on that stuff at this stage. So have to wait and see what happens with those. But, yeah, just a bit disappointed. I'd started working myself back into this and I've got to the point where I'm ready to go. And then it's not my fault this time that I can't do it. So, yeah, just a bit miffed by it all. I don't know how to take it at this point. Obviously, not disappointed in anybody in particular, just time of year, finances, uh, heat kicking back in. Obviously, people aren't looking at riding events at this time of year, usually, um, from, from an Australian point of view. So, yeah, just just obviously bad timing with a lot of different aspects. But, yeah, it's just sort of stuffed me up a little bit here. But anyway, we'll, we'll get there. We're ready to go when, when, we're, when we're able to. And uh, as they say, as a few people say, and I think Nick Way is one of them, uh, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. So we're just going to have to stay ready for when we, we get the opportunity. All right. That's it for that section of Dave's Diatribe. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with our interview with Ryan Kollenberg. Hey, I'm Bubba Pauly from the madparts.com Kawasaki Supercross race team and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast presented by Liat Moto Australia. He's riding a privateer Yamaha in this year's Australian Supercross series. We spoke to him last year on show 51 it's the 51 from Australia. It's Ryan Kohlenberg. How are you doing, Ryan? Hey, good. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. <laughs> I got to see you out on track in Adelaide. It was uh, nice to see you back in action again, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was uh, two weeks ago and probably nine months in the making. It's uh, been a long, long time getting ready to go racing again. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Last time we spoke to you is because you were sort of partway through that recovery uh, from your Newcastle crash last year with, with the uh, injury and the foot and all the, uh, that side of things. Everything's obviously taken a while to get back, but you're, you're back in action, fully fit and going again, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, with the ankle injury, it's sort of like uh, recovery sort of just seems to be never-ending, but um, <laughs> we're at a point where we're safe on the motorcycle and uh, we've taken away a lot of positives and learnt a lot from the rookie year uh and yeah moving forward i think uh adelaide was a really great first race back for me personally um tight track put everyone on the same lap time um like you know we were all sort of on pace i think it was like two seconds off but um yeah it was all it was honest work so it was yeah, for me, I, I definitely took a lot of positives away from racing Adelaide. It was um, it was good to get the feet wet and get behind the gates again. That's for sure. 
I was going to ask you about the, the track layout and the formats and stuff for this year. Obviously, things are a bit different and Adelaide was very different compared to last year. But I gather from that yeah. comment there that you might actually, that simpler track layout might have been a good thing for you to sort of just build back into the, the Supercross swing being, it was more of that arena crossy, very simple, everyone could do the jump sort of thing. Yeah, I yeah. you liked that side of it for this first round at least. Well, yeah, we try and like me and my coach Elliot Hobbs. We try and we try and just stay positive. I don't think there's anything to be negative about uh, in our program. So um, track was tight. The track was fast. The track was simple. Um, and yeah, yeah. Obviously, we directly look at them as positives. So um, yeah, it was it was good to get racing again. And it was uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. It just everything was just so simple and easy. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, how did you find that new format? Because obviously, with only a yeah. ten man start, it's probably a oh, fair yeah. bit busy in terms of that first corner, and then um, yeah, yeah. trying to get out of the heats and all that sort of stuff. It's a very different layout this year in that side of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, round one was ten gates. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was always going to be tight to make the main event. Um, and, and our perspective looking in was to do the best that we could with what we had and where we were at, um, with our program. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it's definitely the 10 gates side is tricky, but Newcastle and Melbourne will be 22 gates. I believe they definitely won't be 10. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of dudes that traveled a long way to, make lcq or not make the main event i should say <laughs> yeah there's a few guys like that didn't they that didn't get anything for it but you at least like you didn't make the lcq either you still got points by you got 17th so you still yeah. got a couple of points on the board for the for the start of the series which isn't a bad thing yeah that's what you, you're explaining to me on the phone before because i i don't really look at the track map too much and look at the 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 back side of all the paperwork we sort of yeah like i said we get ready to go racing we show up and, and just do what we got to do but the program like um it was a little bit technical if you're not familiar with it the whole top two from the heat races and then top four from the lcq but then it was the sixth place the fastest lap time sixth place from the heat races went to the lcq and then that rounded out the top 16 riders and then I come in 17th because I was the second fastest sixth place heat rider and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it definitely was a bit tricky, but you just had to put your best foot forward really. Yeah. You almost need a, a degree in um, mathematics <laughs> to figure that one out, don't you? But I, I yeah. don't mind the format, like especially for that Adelaide thing with the track not being big enough for 20, you know, 22 gates or whatever. It, it, I didn't mind it. It sort of worked out well, yeah. but I still would like to see that the Aussie rounds present, you know, on a world scale, better than than what yeah. Adelaide looked. It was probably just too small for for me from I that think, visual side of it. You know, like I believe, I believe that it was all good. But the the issue is like being a three round series. I think it's pretty brutal for a championship sort of uh, opportunity. So, you know, the the round is great. And all of it's great, but to have that involved in a three-round series i think it's pretty it's pretty rough in that respect um definitely so you know newcastle and melbourne is fair play but 
um, you know, if it was five or six round, maybe maybe throw in the Adelaide little little event like that. But you know, I think all in all, you just got to be grateful for what we do have. So being able to do that, put our sponsors and uh, everyone that's in the program, like to put them uh, on the TV, I guess, yeah, and and just do what we're doing and enjoying every bit about it is, yeah, like I said, we're just trying to stay positive about it all. <laughs> yeah, it is. a. I, I agree. It's good that we actually have something. So we should be grateful that we've got yeah. a series going on and that there is three races and it's not just one or none. So, yeah, it's positive yeah. in that sense. But hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully we can get those things to grow, you know, year on year and sort of get away from those little tiny entertainment centre type things because they were what we used to do when, when I was a kid watching it, you know, back in the <laughs> 2000s and late 90s sort of yeah. thing. It's like, ah, we surely by now we can move away from that sort of tiny little track, especially with 450s and stuff that could pretty much jump the whole floor space in one go if they yeah. get in the right <laughs> ring. So, yeah, it wouldn't be hard to clear that Literally. thing. But, um, but yeah. So what about yourself now between rounds? You're obviously you're going to be heading to Newcastle here in about two weeks' time or two weeks, three weeks' time. Yeah, um, I think it's four weeks yeah, this it's week. A, it's a bit of a gap through, isn't it? But um, it's yeah. coming around. So what do you what do you got going on between now and then? Yeah, so uh, yeah, with the track and training side of it, like. Everyone in the sport understands, but a lot of people from the outside looking in, so maybe like a lot of spectators or listeners probably don't understand, but as a privateer and as a individual athlete that doesn't have real estate to cater for a motorplex or a supercross track, it's actually like near impossible to train unless you have a direct friend or or a public track, um, but they don't really they don't really exist. And when when you get like like a friend with a track that's like built to spec to ride, it's like there's already a handful of people riding it, and the neighbours this and that, like all of the above. So training's difficult, but I've been blessed with the best really from Nara Motorplex. Um, the people there have really supported the Supercross, and um, we've been able to we've been able to put in. It's more of a stadium dash supercross track, but yeah, it's classed as a stadium because it's like singles and tabletops, and it's what we're allowed to get away with. Um, but yeah, in that respect, we've been. Tra- I, I personally went down with Tyson and built the track, and I put a lot of hours in down there, and and like just everything, just wear and tear, this whatever. But um, yeah, so that's that's been our program is we build the tracks and then. Uh, I work during the week, but uh, my coach does shift work. So it allows us to line up the days and join the dots and get as many hours in as we can on the track. And um, I'm blessed to have the workshop that I do have and I can store my dirt bikes there and um, it makes for easy maintenance and easy logistics from the track to work and back home again. So it's yeah, definitely a lot, a lot of positive to All take right. from it. I have seen plenty of your um, Instagram <laughs> stories where you're in a bobcat late at night sort of thing and yeah. you're out there working the track. I think you were doing whoops one night in the dark or something, if I recall correctly, and I'm not sure how that panned out. They Were they square the next morning when you looked at them in the daylight or what? Yeah, yeah. When, when you, like, operate at night time, like, you can have really great lights on the machine, but you sort of lose your reference points and, yeah, just, I've, like, I've grown to learn that it's just not worth doing, but... Unfortunately, before daylight savings, we uh, 
we had about two hours to spare of an afternoon and it was either to ride or do track prep. So, um, yeah, that two hours could turn into six really quick and you get a couple of hours at night, you pretty much ruin the track, but it all makes for uh, honest work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's yeah. part of that, that privateer life, isn't it? you got to make do yeah. with while, while the sun isn't shining sometimes. So yeah. just, just go ahead with it. It'll work yeah. out in the end. And look, it makes for it makes you probably have to change lines the next day to try and get around some of the stuff ups. But yeah. it's not all bad. But um, no, look, yeah. it's, it's just funny to see these things. And obviously, if anyone's not following you on Instagram, they should be because you put up a fair bit of stuff at times and you obviously got the youtube channel now going too mate i saw as well this week yeah yeah the youtube is uh i'm sure you could relate with the podcast but you know the uh who quoted it? i think it was gary v i definitely listen to gary's he's good good value but uh you know your first video or podcast might not be the best but you know the hundredth will be amazing and and you know we've done two videos now and we've had feedback on both and we definitely, you know, you do one and the next one's good and then the third one will be even better and, and so on and so on. And it's like, you know, you, is it like a one-day project or are you going to make it day one? So we made it day one and, and we're making progress. So it, it's, yeah, like I say, we try and keep everything really simple in our corner and, and be productive. So, yeah, we got the YouTube going. Uh Got the track working, got got the coach, got the dirt bike, got the tires, got got everything, got everything to get ready for Newcastle. So it's good. Ah, nice. Well, look, I'm looking forward to seeing you in, in Newcastle. We'll finally get to um meet up in person. <laughs> We've talked a few times on the phone now, but yeah, it'd be nice to actually put yeah. a face to the name and 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 keep an eye out on on you on track this time. And hopefully, there's no, hopefully Newcastle yeah. goes better in 2023 than it did in 22 for you, man. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the triple count. Oh, sorry, the triple crown feature again. Um, I don't know. I, there's something about the gate drop and the and the quick races that I do like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I personally, I I like. It. I mean, last year it didn't quite work for me, but uh, spring laps seem like seem like something I'm enjoying. So it's good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's good to hear, mate. Obviously, you feel comfortable in that environment. That usually brings good results, so we'll see how it works out for you. Now, who's yeah. actually who's supporting you this year? I know last year you had a few people, and it sounds like you might have a couple of the same ones coming on board, which is awesome to have, you know, the people to keep con- continuing to support you. But who's helping yeah. you out in 2023, man? Yeah, so our 2023 program is uh, – I actually received a phone call from – jed parsons from jpm motorsports and he does all the gut seat covers the anchor tape and obviously the jpm motorsports side of things so i ended up he done a little bit of motor work for me um like my head and whatnot um but yeah so so we got guts jpm anchor tape and then elliot hobbs coaching he he uh he goes above and beyond to get the job done um and then Power Country, High Tech Services, Nara Motorplex, uh, and Innovate Property Group. Um, Innovate has been pretty solid, um, and they help they help join the dots. That's for sure. Um, and then I think it was the last one's Rhino Power. Uh, Tom down in Victoria, he goes above and beyond to make sure that we're ready ready to go racing, and our training program can be as uh, productive as possible. Um, yeah, definitely. It's 
just the relationships that we have in between, you know, like just to have like support and people that believe in you and, and are happy to see you do well. It's not very often that you come across people that are just genuinely excited for you. So to have all them people on my side is like, it's a pretty good feeling. That's yeah, for sure. it's nice to have that support and actually feel like they want to support you too. That's it's a different yeah. sort of sponsorship in in that side of things, then, isn't it? It's not just the transactional. Here's a piece of product, or here's a you know set yeah. of gear. Um, they're actually there in your corner and probably checking in on you too as to how things went on the weekend. Probably phoning you up and that sort of thing. So it's it's yeah. nice to have that support and like you said, contact. Um, you know, just, yeah. just regular contact with them as well. So it, it helps. And the- the i just missed so like the uh oh sorry i just had a brain fart the <laughs> the girls at tnc graphics they they smashed the bikes out and they absolutely nailed it so rach and the team are weapons um and then sponsor point from albion park rail he done all my jerseys and it was like same day turnaround we sort of logistically had a bit of a hiccup so uh Adam down there's t- done the quick turnaround and got that dialed. Um, and then we just got Pit Viper on board as well. And Pit Viper is like amazing team. The same, same thing. When, when I talk to people, it's like, I let them know that we're in it for the next five or so years. And um, obviously I'm 25 now. So we're trying to make this a sustainable little journey so yeah we'd love the support over the years not just a quick grab and run like uh we want to build relationships and and like i say stay productive stay positive keep it simple and just enjoy what we've got for what we have and make the most of it so yeah really simple yeah, nice. That's a nice thing too. I try to do that sort of thing myself with my with the you know people to partner with us here. The the whole bit about like I don't want to just get you for this year. I want to have you for a long time because then they actually start to one you know the person, but two the exposure rate is that brand is then associated with you for a longer period of time. So it makes more sense that they're invested with you for for a long time rather than just you know here's one year's worth of effort. You know it's um. It definitely makes a di- big difference from both your side and their side in terms of the the, the whole ROI that they talk about yeah. in marketing terms. So no, that's awesome that they that they're with you and that you're trying to build something with them for a long term, and that you and that you're viewing this as that you're still going to be doing this when you're 30. That's awesome. So yeah. <laughs> it's not always easy to do as you get older and you know kids <laughs> get bigger or whatever that's going on in the family there. So yeah, it's um yeah. it's crazy things to look ahead to. But no, awesome to see that you're doing that. So. Look, I guess yeah. anybody can check you out on, on the social medias. If you search Ryan Kohlenberg, they'll find you. Um, and yeah. then probably come and say hi to you in the pits at the Supercross if you're at Newcastle or Melbourne, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we try and we try and interact with the pit area. But this year, the program for Oz Supercross has been really giving to the privateer sort of sector. Obviously, having 85s involved, they're trying to make the pit areas a bit more active. But... I just don't know fully what Newcastle holds for privateers and 85 kids, but I hope we get involved in the pit party because that's what it's all about. Like we want to try and put on a show, but be professional and I don't know. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Just, yeah, we, I hope, I hope that we can interact with the fans and everyone else involved because that's for me, that's the fun part. Like I love riding my dirt bike and, and doing what we do so it's good yeah definitely newcastle is a bigger um car park area so you should be able to get 
a lot more people wandering around that area as well. So hopefully it all yeah. lays out better. I saw some of the images. I wasn't at Adelaide, but I saw some of the images and it didn't look like there was um much room going on for you guys there as a pit as such. So <laughs> yeah, um, the 85s had one metre by three metre pit area. So that was a bit <laughs> a bit of a head scratch for them. I know a lot of 85 kids, they have, a lot, they have two dirt bikes, you know, but there was room for one gear bag, one dirt bike and... Yeah, it was tight. It was, it was it was almost a domino effect, that's for sure. Yeah, no, not what you want. But um, no, nah, look, Newcastle should be much better. You should be with your vehicle and all that sort of stuff. So, hopefully, they can people can come and find you and check you out and see what's who's supporting you and yeah, get some support yeah. for the race that night, man. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I don't know exactly, but I'm sure Active Co and uh, the other people behind me like pit viper i'm sure we can i'm sure we'll do something well you'll see me at the pit viper 10 anyway that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) well i can come and check you out there man well look good luck at newcastle we'll come and check you out Um, but appreciate you making some time here on the always moto podcast supported by lee at moto australia perfect thank you so much for having me no dramas talk soon thanks man hey what's up guys it's scott mashie number 411 and you're listening to the always moto podcast all right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast. Thanks to Ryan Kohlberg for that interview there. It was awesome to catch up with him. Uh, like we said, we had him on before after that injury there on show 51 because he's the number 51 in Australia. Uh, but nice to have him on in the sense of just checking in with him on the race results side of it, not because of an injury. Uh, he's an awesome dude. Uh, you should be following him. Check out his YouTube channel. Check out his uh, Instagram. He's, you know, he's worth following. Uh, he's a good dude. He's got plenty of sponsors there um, that he listed out there, and he obviously wears some cool gear with Acti- Active Co. there as well. Um, so let's, yeah, check him out. Um, that's it for this week's show, but guys and girls, great show. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget to send those T-shirt orders in. We've got that project there of the USA 24 and trying to get over there. So help if you can help us out and buy us a, buy a T-shirt by sending an email to info at alwaysmoto.com and getting that payment via PayPal or a donation to PayPal for us as well. That will help immensely for us as well. Got to stay up to date with us on social media. Search Always Moto in your favorite social media app and follow and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Leave a rating if it allows. Uh, and don't forget to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. Um, we should have a bit of a news release there, a press release from Polar Australia as well with about their new Vantage V3 watch that's coming out. You can pre-order that at the moment. You can also um, buy it in-store from, I think it's the 25th of October, if I've got that date right. Uh, but it's something very cool there. They've got some new sensors in the watch um, that gives it some more functionality that it hasn't had before which is really cool for anybody that's doing their training. Um, So check that out. We're hoping to get one of those here um, potentially from Polar for some further reviews on in the future. So hopefully we'll be able to bring you some more information on that. But check out that release over on fullnoise.com.au as well. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Lee at Moto Australia. Go to leeatmoto.com.au. Um, thanks to Competitive Edge Performance, Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor. Thanks to Blair for the babble. Thanks to you guys and girls for listening. And remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick. <laughs>